Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And now, Father, we believe the book because it was authorized by you. We believe the book because it points to you. We believe the book because through it you give us newness of life. So open up our hearts and minds to your will and your way. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. So right around the first of the year, I, I, got, I, I hardly ever read my junk email, but I got a junk email that I thought was interesting. And that was a year of the Wall Street Journal for four bucks a month. Uh, deal. <laughs> so, so I subscribed. And um, turns out I really, I really appreciate it. And uh, I learn a lot from it. And I came across one article about a month ago of a couple scholars, some Stanford this and Yale that or something like that. And they were writing an article together about how our nation needs to reaffirm the fundamentals. It was all about economics and that sort of thing. And I thought, I thought, I thought that's really, there's a lot of truth in that. Every now and then we just need to reaffirm what, what the floor is. We just need to touch the floor, affirm those, those fundamentals. And um, so I thought that would be something to preach about. So last Sunday, of course, I did Mother's Day because I, you ignore Mother's Day as a preacher at your peril. Um, <laughs> but before that, I, I talked about scripture and then this morning I wanna talk about the new birth, the newness of life in Christ as a, as a fundamental of our faith, as a foundational reality, ultimately, of human life comes to us from, I'm going to use the text from the Apostle Paul. There are so many passages I could have used, and I could just use the whole sermon to read different Bible passages. But I'll, I'll read from, from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, so we are, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And God's, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this mar marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today, 
is the day of salvation. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So, I am an evangelical. That is not a political category. (laughs) And it really bothers me that good spiritual biblical terms get hijacked by the political discourse. When I say I'm an evangelical, you cannot infer from that my political views. What you can infer is that I take scripture seriously and I understand not just my task, but our task together to some way, in some way or another, reflect the reality of God's love to the world. That God loves the world so much that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him wouldn't wouldn't die, but have everlasting life. And if God loves that world, why wouldn't we? And so it's our calling, collectively, to somehow embody that love and to to share that love as as appropriate, to live that love, to, to somehow be God's body, the body of Christ in the world. That's what it means to be an evangelical. And when I get baited into political discussions, not that there are many of those going on these days, but when, when that, on the rare occasion that that happens, you know, there, oftentimes there's just this bomb throwing that goes back and forth. And, and I just, I think, you know, God loves that person. God loves that person. Yes, God loves Republicans, and he loves Democrats. And so why wouldn't we? And I, I want whomever to know that they're loved by God, and for that to have a transforming impact in their lives. So when I was a kid, I, I had an experience at Forest Home, Christian Conference Center, I've shared this with you before. But it was not that anything particular was said, nothing that was said, but it was just all of a sudden I became sort of overwhelmed. I don't know quite what to call it. I'm going to share a little bit from John Wesley. He called it being strangely warmed. And I guess that's what it was. That explains it as much as possible. I grew up in a Christian home, and it wasn't that I wasn't a Christian all along. But there was, a, there was a point at which I appropriated it for myself. I went up to the chapel and I prayed, and then I came back and, and I just, I took on this sort of enthusiasm that all my buddies get to know who Jesus was. And about the same time, or soon thereafter, I was one of the first kids to get his driver's license. And so I would, um, in that, that fall, before it got too cold, I'd load up my dad's car, a 68 Bonneville station wagon, this massive thing, and the rear seat faced backwards. And so the guys would always bring grapes and wrist rockets. Those are those slingshots. So we'd drive down to Huntington Beach from Riverside, and the guys would be sitting in the back with the rear window open, shooting cars with the grapes. (laughs) And the way back. But it was just laughs all the way all the way down, all the way back, 
and then body surfing, feeling like you're being thrown around in a, in a washing machine. It was just utter stupid fun. But in that context of utter stupid fun, in the car, I would, I would just tell the guys, I would just tell them, you know, you guys, you gotta, you gotta go to one, one of the Young Life meetings, one of the Young Life meetings on Wednesday night. You just gotta go. It's, it's hilarious. It's a blast. And, and they, they tell you about God. They tell you about who Jesus is. And, you know, they're, they're fine with all that. They didn't say anything. They didn't, there was no arguments or anything else. But I took every possible occasion to try to, because I wanted them to, to know what I knew somehow. And the amazing thing about it was none of that ever came at my initiative. It, it just sort of came out. All of those comments, all of that stupid fun and everything else just sort of emerged. And, and it was, I believe, really the, the work of God's Spirit. John Wesley writes in his journal, in the evening I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. That sounds like really great stuff. <laughs> About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God would work in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. So he was at some lecture, reading the preface from Luther's book, Commentary on Romans, which I've got upstairs. And I've read the preface. And my heart was not strangely warmed. <laughs> I did feel sleepy. But the point is, God comes upon us. The Lord comes to us. And and we do well when we recognize simply that that's the Lord's doing. It's the Lord's love. It's his prompting. We haven't done anything to deserve it. We've done a lot to not deserve it. That's the whole story of the Old Testament. The constant rebellion of God's people. And God says, well, you do this and I'm going to do that. And you're going to be out. And the people did this. And then God says, okay, we'll give you another try. God doesn't give up on us. He keeps going. Despite our rebellion, despite our bad choices, despite our sin, he just keeps going until he can finally fully embrace us by taking on human flesh and coming to us one person at a time. Embracing each and every one of us. So this morning I just... We've got a picture in the kitchen. One of the parties we've had. We've had many parties. This is a party church. <laughs> we had one yesterday. This one was from a Christmas party that we had Bill and Bill Allen's house, Bill and Penny, and 
and a bunch of, just a bunch of pictures. I saw a picture of one of my atheist friends. She and her husband were there. And um, I believe that in their participation in life in our church, that they, they had experiences where their hearts were strangely warmed. And I remember standing here one Sunday morning, administering communion, and they came through the line. I don't think that was just perfunctory participation in the life of the church. We receive Christ in so many ways. Why not through the sacrament? And then I've started having breakfast again with another one of my atheist friends, and you wouldn't believe it. He has started reading G.K. Chesterton's Orthodoxy. Fabulous. Chesterton was an atheist. He was converted to, to Catholicism, and his writing is just absolutely brilliant. And so he sends me an email of a, of a passage out of Chesterton. That was the exact passage I had used in a sermon this past fall. And I told him so, which I'm sure to him is a real embarrassment because that means he's not winning the argument. But the reality is, God has not given up on him. God still pursues him. And what does he pursue him with? Not yet another competing ideology. God doesn't pursue us with doctrine. He pursues us with love. He embraces us. As I've said before, Jesus never saw a crowd. He only saw persons one at a time. And he comes to us in just that way. He comes to us one person at a time. Toward what end? That we might know, first off, that there is a God. (laughs) God made this world, and he made us. We're not just a cosmic error. We didn't just sort of happen out of the protoplasm of of a, a mistaken creation. We're here, and we're here for a purpose. And... And we were, as I would strongly affirm, we were known first in the mind of God before we were a twinkle in our Father's eye. And and we are here for for a reason. God has us here for a reason. So first off, that, that there is in fact a God. That God made this world. And when I say God made this world, that doesn't exclude science. Science is our friend. Science is the tool whereby we explore this world and whereby we have a greater understanding of the world, the creation that God has given us. But it's also so that we might know we were not made by this world. The Apostle Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. Meaning, don't just get your identity from all the stuff around us. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allowing the renewing power of Christ and his spirit 
to give us newness of life and hope and assurance and, and a trust. The stuff of this world has a very low ceiling. And there's no limit to what, what our Lord gives to us and, and our understanding of who we are in relationship with the God who made us. So God made the world. But we're not to be of this world, we're to be of the kingdom. We're to be of the, the creator himself as his children. It's also for us to know that we have, we have the opportunity in this life for newness of life. And by that I mean a life that somehow experiences beforehand the life that is awaiting us. A life that walks in, in a sort of a, almost a transcendent awareness that, that we're, not, we're not done here even when we're done here. That there is a life after this that awaits us and that we can even now walk in that way of life. We can somehow be a, a people that reflect the reality of the newness of life that is the gift of God in Christ. And what characterizes that life? Well, it's all the stuff that we talk about when we talk about being in church. <laughs> it's stuff like being humble, being, being caring, avoiding sin, confessing our sin, and trying not to keep doing it, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we know all that. But the newness of life, the fullness of life, as Christ said, he came to give life that we might have it abundantly, not, not be boxed in or limited, but that we might have a, a fullness of life as God intends us to live. And so it is that in, in our collective life as a church, we don't, we don't lead we don't lead with doctrine. You know, we, we follow with that stuff. We lead with relationship. You know the story of the woman who had a hemorrhage, a 12-year hemorrhage, and she went to all these doctors, and, and, and she knew Jesus was coming to town. And so what she did was, out of her suffering, she crawled through all the legs of all these people standing on the roadside, reached in and touched the tassel of his robe. And she was healed. Somehow she knew she was, she was healed. Now, she did not have to have some kind of an understanding of predestination in order to do that. She didn't have any kind of uh, understanding of pre, post, or amillennialism in order to touch the hem of Jesus' robe. She was hurting, and she reached out and touched not even Jesus himself, just his robe, something that reflected the reality of Christ to her. Jesus stopped. <laughs> Who touched me? He stopped, and he listened. It says she, he listened to the whole story that this woman had to share, 12 years of hemorrhaging, doctor after doctor after doctor, and Jesus lovingly responds by hearing her story. 
That's what faith is. Faith is is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what do we have to do? Well, God takes all the initiative. Our Lord takes all the initiative. We don't have to do something. We simply recognize it, receive it, acknowledge it, and joyously thank God that he loves us. That he loves us. Will you join me in prayer? So, Lord, so often we think we have to earn it. We look at our lives and realize all the stuff we've done that would disqualify us. Somehow we think we've got to get our act together before we might experience your love. Thank you that we don't. Truth being that we will never get our acts fully together. But you receive us still. You love us still. And Lord, we give you thanks that we can trust in your Son. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. We thank you and we pray in his name. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.